Hello, and welcome back to Teak Talks. Today, we are joined by Hisham Mohammadi Alawi, the founder of Experience Morocco. He is someone that I have the utmost respect for due to his passion for his country, his dedication to a positive company culture, and his focus on creating quality experiences through defined processes. Hisham and I have met on multiple occasions, and I was originally able to speak with Hisham on a fam with Experience Morocco, where they arranged a beautiful dinner in a private Riyadh at La Mamunia. Later that night, our group gathered in a circle where he shared his talents on the hang drum. I will never forget that night because all of the fam attendees stayed up late into the night and into the early morning hours sharing their personal beliefs and philosophies. Hisham believes that good business partnerships come from creating personal and sometimes vulnerable connections. And that night sums up Hisham. His superpower is that he can create authentic connections with anyone he meets while remaining true to himself. I'm honored that he's taking the time to join us so that we can discuss how to become a great partner in the travel industry and how to garner and foster mutually beneficial relationships across the roles of advisor, supplier, and beyond. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat and join us to talk all things travel and business. Welcome, Hisham. Thank you so much. That was a super eloquent introduction. I hope I can live up to it. (laughs) I feel confident that you can. (laughs) Before we get into the subject of partnerships, I would love you to share a little bit about yourself your background, and how you came to found the company that we know as Experience Morocco. Absolutely. So I'm Hisham. I'm one of the two co-founders of Experience Morocco. We've been in business since 2013. So yeah, 10 years past now. And our story began in the most bizarre of circumstances because my co-founder and I met in business school. We were not intent on starting a travel business. We were studying in the U.S. What we both shared was we were both from Morocco. And we had ambitions to come back and and help shape our country in a positive direction rather than remain embarked on international careers uh, as expats. So upon meeting in business school, we started brainstorming ideas for business opportunities we could think of at home. And none of those were in the world of travel. We thought of things as varied as insurance and and medicine and uh, real estate and uh, education. And while that brainstorm was happening, our friends in school kept saying, hey, we want to see Morocco through your eyes. Can you guys bring us to Morocco? So not thinking much of it, we reached out to three DMCs and asked them to put together a proposal for us. And what we got back from them was quite lackluster, both in terms of the value for money articulation, but also the creativity of the proposal and and the itinerary that was suggested. So we slowly but surely kind of started taking the itinerary apart, starting to do things ourselves. So, well, let's look at this hotel instead of that hotel. Let's look at this flow instead of that flow. Next thing we know, we're organizing the trip ourselves and bringing 85 of our classmates to Morocco without the slightest hint of what we were doing or, or or whether that was the right thing to do. But it turns out that our friends had a fantastic time and, and putting that trip together really opened our eyes to the potential of creating a DMC that could execute at a higher level in our part of the world. So that was spring of 2013, that very first trip. We came back, decided 
to embark on this adventure together, my co-founder and I. And it has since been, yeah, uh, over 10 years. A many-faceted journey through the highs and lows of the travel industry, you know, obviously with COVID being a, a particular low, uh, but then, you know, bouncing back from that and really being able to call ourselves today uh, the go-to partner for many of, of the best travel agents all around the world, and particularly in the United States, which is our main market. So yeah, nothing in the world destined us to be in travel, but we found our way in and, and haven't left the playground since and, and are still uncovering new ways to grow every day. So really, really loving the journey we've been on. And, you know, we compare ourselves to our business school classmates and we wouldn't trade anything in the world in terms of the other paths that were open to us. It's so funny because how we actually came to meet was I met you through Danielle and Tyler through Index Select. And Danielle has been on the podcast previously. And I probably shared this anecdote, but we met for coffee. And she was like, actually, we have one spot open and we leave in two weeks for Morocco. Do you want to join us? <laughs> so the fact that we were able to meet in just this like fast turnaround and how things fall into place in the travel world is so interesting to me and how a lot of things seem accidental, but they just kind of flow organically and create these relationships. I do think a lot of people could relate to the fact that you feel like you like fell into travel and there was something that maybe someone wasn't doing as well as you could do it. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I personally fell into travel because I didn't know that there could be a travel advisor that wasn't solely focused on luxury and was focused on experiences. And now the world has kind of taken that turn, right? Like you don't have to have luxury in this traditional sense where it's five-star, five-star private tours all throughout. There are people that specialize in that, obviously, but it's not the requirement. And so that's how I got into it too. And it's it was I was planning the trip for my parents and then it evolved into becoming a travel advisor. So I don't think that you are, and I are alone in this kind of mentality of like, there's a way to do this better and we want to be the catalyst for change. So I love that. Let's dive in because you and I have had multiple discussions on this particular topic. And it's something that we were sitting across from each other at ILTM. And I was like, I know there is a podcast topic here that you and I are destined to discuss. And you immediately without hesitation, were like, I know exactly what we're going to discuss. And it was about how to be a stand-up partner and really an ally for each facet of the travel industry. And so that's what we're going to discuss today. So as a baseline and expectation, how should someone start and create a positive relationship in the travel industry, whether that's supplier to advisor or advisor to supplier? What does that initial creation of a relationship look like to you? To me, the, the starting point for success is understanding that we are part of a chain, right? That's the really the starting point. So if we look at each other, and right now, for, for the sake of this example, I'm not talking about me as a DMC talking to an agent. I'm talking about all of us in the travel industry, from the hotelier, and even within the hotel, from the GM to the chef, to the person serving food, to the porter carrying the luggage into the room, to the person doing check-in. If we all look at each other like, I have my role, you have your role, and once I'm done with my role, it's over to you. That's setting up a lot of room for miscommunication, for conflict, 
uh, for deferring responsibility. If we look at each other like a chain, like meaning, you know, we're all, and the chain is as weak as its weakest link, then it's just a very different way to look at it. So the way, I, just to, to step away from the question you're asking, but to give you an example of how I try to communicate this point to our team, I have a simple question which I ask our drivers, right? So we, in Morocco, we have a, a team of drivers that are accompanying our clients from start to finish. And I ask them a simple question. I say, you know, when you're getting a client arriving, let's say tomorrow at the airport in Casablanca, you're going to go pick them up. My question to the driver is, what was the first touch point that led to this client showing up tomorrow? And they, you know, they look at me with a blank stare. And oftentimes I get guesses that are like a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and they are always shocked when I say, no, no, the answer is on average four to five years ago, because that's how long it took for one of us on the business development team to attend a trade show, to have a first communication with an agent. And then perhaps that was followed on with another meeting in their office and then followed on with another meeting at a trade show. And then ultimately they wanted to give us a shot. And then from there, it took a client wanting to be interested in our destination and then us actually being able to build the proposal that worked. So this is what I mean by a chain, right? Like it's in, in, in the most broad sense possible, all of us are essentially trying to take the desire of a client to travel somewhere and convert it into a magical experience in reality. But it starts, the success of that whole phase starts with the travel agents understanding that their role is to articulate clearly, as clearly as possible, the desires of their client to the DMC. The DMC needs to understand that their role is to then translate all of that into a proposal that makes sense. They also need to make sure that they're passing on all the right information to the relevant guides, the drivers, and the experienced staff that are going to be translating all of this into a reality. And then from there, it kind of goes back to the travel agent who needs to follow up with their client. Hopefully, they've had a good time. And then the travel agent can translate all of that into future experiences down the line, right? But so if we all work in a chain, it's a very verbose answer. The answer to your question is if we all look at each other like we're members of a chain working together to translate people's desires into magical trips, then we're set up for success. If we look at each other like a client supplier, I, I mm -hmm. don't believe that that's the best way to look at things because it, then it, it implies that my and there's a line in the sand. This is where my part ends. This is where your part begins. And that, that doesn't lead to the best kind of partnerships. I love that. It's kind of like in some way, shape or form, the same philosophy of like, treat the janitor like the CEO, like everyone is playing a role in creating a fantastic experience for the end result, which is the client and obviously like creating a livelihood for everyone that it touches. And when we do think of it as providing for livelihoods, which is in essence what we're doing for everyone that's within our teams, right? Not necessarily the clients, obviously, but everyone that's in our teams, you start to think of it in this very human way. And when you boil it down to humanity, it becomes very raw and vulnerable and just real. And then you start to think of it less as a transaction. And I know you definitely take that approach. And it's not transactional to your point. It's not this supply chain logistical. It is really when you think of it, but it's deeper than that. It's humanity. And that was what brought all of us to create travel. There is a why behind every single one of us. And your why was because you wanted to share your culture with 85 of your classmates. And along the way, each one of us has our why of what we want to share with someone else. And if we remember that, I think it it kind of always grounds you in that experience. And I do believe that it is the foundation for creating a better relationship with your suppliers because you know that someone on the other side cares just as much as you do. 
we have the perfect Valentine's date planned for you. It involves your closest business besties, a Zoom login, and a roadmap of resources to help you have the best year ever. We are talking about the Niche Open House on February 14th. Every day, we want you to wake up and feel confident in your systems and processes, excited about the types of clients and trips that you're booking, motivated by the group of advisors that you have surrounded yourself with. And that is why we created Niche. Our Niche membership comes with a robust library of quarterly revolving resources, exclusive teak-hosted trainings, and community roundtable events with other advisors so that you can walk away with your peers' best business practices in mind. On February 14th, we are showing you a behind-the-scenes view of our platform, a peek at our current Q1 resources, as well as giving you a rundown of all the upcoming events in 2024. This is one reservation you aren't going to want to miss, and you don't even have to fight for it. So skip the candy, the balloons, and the stuffed animals, because we want you to be our sweetheart. RSVP for your spot at the Niche Open House on February 14th in the show notes. If someone is listening to this and they don't have the relationships that they want with a DMC, maybe they've heard about Experience Morocco. Obviously, we'll use that as the example. What would be the first step that creates a positive impression to you as the supplier from an advisor? Is that a call? Is that meeting an event? Do you prefer the in-person? What do you recommend for someone that's listening and they're at the point of establishing relationships? Yeah, I would say demonstrate curiosity. And this is probably going to be a destination by destination basis. If, for example, I know this is random, but I know there's some US advisors who are actually living in Italy, like post-COVID, a lot of people live all over the world now. And so let's say you're an American advisor, you sell mostly Italy and you live in Italy. Maybe you don't need as much uh, kind of destination knowledge. But certainly for most people selling Morocco, most people don't know much about the country. So when I say demonstrate curiosity is when we're meeting at a trade show or in even in a, like a lunch you know, visit or something like that, we're usually down to like between five and 12 minutes you know, for the whole meeting. And we're showing you like at a whirlwind speed, a couple of highlights of Morocco on the iPad. So when I say demonstrate curiosity is carve out an hour. Um, that might seem like a lot to some people. It might seem like not a lot to others. But if you give us an hour, we can, we're not going to make you a Morocco expert, but we're going to really cover you know, Morocco 101. And you're going to feel that much more comfortable pitching it to your clients. So I would say the, the best possible sign that we can get in terms of engaging with a new advisor is them saying, you know, hey, either I heard of you or we met, we had a chance to meet. I would really love to deepen my knowledge of Morocco. Are there any webinar opportunities or can we schedule a call? Uh, I'd love to learn more. And the answer from us, and I believe from many DMCs around the world will always be yes. Like, you know, we're happy to invest that time because we understand that equipping agents with that destination knowledge makes them better at pitching the destination and therefore works for us, works in our favor. So that's the number one thing I would say is demonstrate curiosity by being open to learning about the destination if you don't already know about it. I think a lot of advisors feel like that's an inconvenience to the DMC, especially when they're busy. And there are a lot of suppliers that will make it clear that they're busy. And I don't want to speak negatively of that because we are all busy. But what can you say to kind of ease that thought process? Like if you're feeling like, 
you're hitting someone at a really busy peak time of year, you know that they're full of proposals, they're kind of moving quickly, you might get the responses that you want, but what can you do to ease that thought process for an advisor who feels like maybe it's an inconvenience to ask for that additional time to either learn about the destination or learn about the proposal that was sent over to them? Because that's something that I feel like is a big miss a lot of the time is that I never asked or rather pushed back to say, can you explain the why in this proposal to me? Not in an email, but like candidly tell me why you picked these hotels so that I can sell it better. Because me lobbying an itinerary of a destination I don't know, can't manage the expectations of, don't know the why psychologically behind a property is not going to translate to a sale for either of us. So now we've both wasted our time. Yeah, I would say the the second step, you know, beyond general Morocco 101 or like destination 101 is getting on a call, ideally both before and after the proposal. The before the proposal is a quick call, like give me as much information as you can about the clients, what they like, what they don't like, what they've done that worked really well in a different destination before, what their budget is, what kind of dynamic are we looking at, you know, meaning is it the grandparents and the parents, the kids or any family dynamics need to be aware of, whatever. That's usually no more than 10, 15 minutes. And then once you've received the proposal, perhaps a longer call, it could be as little as 10 minutes, but maybe as long as 20 or 30 minutes where we we walk through the proposal together before you share it with the client. So that if there are any questions, you feel like you're able to exactly to your point. You can speak to the proposal. You can articulate why this hotel was selected and not that one. I can understand agents being concerned that they're asking for time at a, at a busy time. I can get that. But what you should never feel guilty about is hey, can we take 20 minutes to run through this proposal together so that I can feel better about presenting it to my clients? That no advisor should ever feel bad about asking for that. And if a DMC is not willing to engage with you in that, then I think there's a problem. That's an indicator to you is that there's a misalignment in the collaboration if they're not willing to... If, to if a DMC is not willing to explain why they put something together for you, then yeah, I think I think so. And and then that's where I would also say that like it behooves you as um, agents to have multiple contacts within a particular partner or a DMC, whether it's a hotel or a DMC, because sometimes the people you're dealing with on the front office or the front end are amazing. And that's what we hope for as you know, owners and operators. But sometimes they, you know, they fall short and that, that happens. That's human nature. That's another tip I would say is if you're getting a response that seems tone deaf, then try reaching out to someone else. If they have a representation company, you mentioned earlier, Danielle and Tyler, who represents us in the US markets. If So look at the, your partner, again, whether it's a hotel or a DMC, look at, do they have representation in your market? And if they do contact their representation, just in a bid to get a better answer than like, no, here's the proposal, take it or leave it. I think that's interesting. And to me, that's a nice little tally for working with suppliers that do have a representation firm because you know that you always have another person to turn to and you know that they've relied on that company for that additional support. You mentioned reaching out to someone else. I want to clarify that you meant reaching out to someone else within the organization, not like reaching out to another DMC to get a different proposal. You mean really carry the relationship through, give the benefit of the doubt, try someone else in the organization while looping that original person in and making sure that you collaboratively course correct rather than discount a relationship just from one bad proposal. Yeah. I mean, ideally, that's fair to say, but I understand as well, you know, if you're, if you're under a time crunch and you're not getting the answer, you, you know, you're hoping for, you want, I, I'm not going to judge someone for trying to go elsewhere. Right. I I get that. Uh, But for us, you know, the ideal scenario is that we get a chance to course correct and 
And usually we, we do and, and things work out fine. Okay. So we're going to dive into the don'ts because you and I, when we were talking, we can say a lot of things to do when working with an advisor. We can say, do this, create a positive relationship, invest in that relationship, be open, ask the qualifying questions before the intake call, invest the time to review the proposal. Let's talk about the things that advisors should avoid doing. And maybe it's not because they're being unkind or short or impatient, but because maybe they genuinely just haven't been in the industry this long and they don't know the don'ts of the relationship. So what are some key things that you would advise to avoid when working with a supplier? As an entrepreneur, there are those days when you're all fired up, crushing your goals, tracking metrics like a pro and feeling like you could take on the world. But then there are those other days, the days where... Well, frankly, you just want someone else to give you the answers. You know, the ones when you might be wrestling with doubt, dealing with unexpected curveballs, or struggling to find your motivation. Don't worry, we've all been there. That's exactly why we've released our number one requested resource yet, introducing the Sample Client Welcome Guide and Service Suite. This Sample Client Welcome Guide and Service Suite will give you a jumping off point to create your own educational resource and multi-level service suite. If there's one thing that we're passionate about, it's helping travel advisors work smarter, not harder. And this resource can help you empower your clients with information on your process and save you precious time on that intake call. This document provides sample language for an outline of a four-step booking process, an investment summary, a sample service suite, defined client expectations, client communication best practices, and common FAQs. If you've struggled with how to articulate boundaries or wonder where to start in creating different levels of a service suite, you are going to want this. This is the perfect thing to send after the point of inquiry, but before the intake call to ensure that your clients that get on the phone are the right clients for your business. The editable version of this template is part of our seven-figure sales course, which will be on sale from March 6th to March 13th, so mark your calendars. Get the link to our free resource in the show notes. I'm going to answer your question, but I want to mention one do. And I, I'm i really grateful that I have a great example of this. It was very recent at ILTM in, in Cannes just a, about a month ago now. We had a, an agent who had a meeting with us. And as soon as we shook her hand, she sat down. And before we, I mean, we just said like, hi, how are you? And then she sat down and she said, so what are you guys doing to keep your itineraries fresh? And I looked at her with a big smile on my face because this has been an ongoing, you know, like a real issue uh, at Experience Morocco that we're transforming our experiences and rethinking through how we can keep things fresh and relevant. And I said, why do you ask? She said, well, because we've been working with you guys for a few years and we love working with you. But uh, truth is, almost every itinerary is, you know, has the same kind of building blocks. And if you guys don't innovate, we're, at some points, we're going to start looking for someone else who will. And I was so thankful. And I told her, I said, you know, thank you so much, A, for the, for the honesty and B, for saying what many people are probably thinking, but not saying out loud, because this has been top of mind for, for us in the, in the leadership of Experience Morocco. We've been thinking through this as a real issue over the last year um, and, and making some concrete changes to how we think through experiences so that we can innovate and, and, and add pepper in some new things into our itineraries. But that's an example of a do that doesn't often come up, right? So what you'll hear is do, you know, yeah, do share a budget, be clear, whatever. But also if you're, if you have a relationship that's, you feel are, is, is at the beginning 
of maybe starting to deteriorate because there's some little things that are nagging you. It could be the way they pay their commission. Maybe the, you know, the partner doesn't pay commission on time. We have to spend a lot of time following up with them on that. It could be that they keep uh, assigning you to a new person to work with every time you reach out to them and you prefer to work with the same person over and over again. It could be that, you know, in our case that, you know, you feel like the itineraries are getting a bit stale, whatever. The point is do also communicate, like, let us know, Hey, I overall enjoy the relationship, but this is something that's, you know, cut at the beginning of becoming a problem. So let's address it so it doesn't become a problem. So anyways, I'm sorry that it's not your question, but I wanted to make sure I address that. And the, this advisor will go unnamed, but I, I'm very thankful to her in kind for calling us out because sometimes it's what you need. You need someone to call you out. So that's it. I appreciate it. you sharing that. I love that you shared a do because the don't is, again, disregard a long-term relationship that you're loving everything but one thing. You know, it could be fill in the blank, but thank you for sharing that. But that also was very honest of you because you're sharing something that you want to grow. And that person took a minute to be really tactful and intentional with that. Like they weren't coming at you in a really aggressive manner from what it sounds like. I do think that we can be quite quick on reaction in email. And so that in-person relationship allowed for that very candid and honest feedback in a kind way. So even if you do have feedback, remember that it can be delivered in a way that there can be an action item from it. It doesn't have to be that you're saying something and expecting that it's the end of a relationship, but you can actually guide a partner in that way. And, and we need to be open to those same things on our end. Absolutely. And now I can go into the other stuff to avoid, and which is honestly not rocket science. So number one, not giving us important information that can materially impact the client's experience. And I have two stories I can share here that are, it depends how you want to look at them. You can say they're funny or you can say that they're sad. But so we had one couple that was actually, this was kind of their, the last chance trip. Uh, they were you know going through a really rough patch and had basically settled on separation, but we were not told that. The guide kind of figured this out when, when they were on the ground. And the agent knew that this was the reality of their relationship. And so we just feel like the trip, we could have made the trip much more special had we known that this was kind of the last chance trip. And it was, it was fine. The trip was fine, but, but we just had such a vital piece of information that we did not have until, you know, we, we didn't really get it until the third day of a seven day trip. And it would have been super helpful to know that. The other one that's much more serious is uh, clients who were presented as being healthy retirees. If you tell me healthy retiree, I imagine that this person is still physically able to walk, you know, without much challenge. And for those who are maybe a bit familiar with Morocco, we have these family-run establishments called Riyads that are an alternative to hotels that are more charming and boutique establishments, but they often have stairs. And so in this particular case, it turns out that four of the five rooms that we had booked for them throughout their trip were on the first floor. One set of stairs to climb, so not a lot. But as it happened, one of the, the two people on this trip really wasn't able to take stairs at all. So again, that's a material piece of information that you know you, you want to make sure you give the DMC because it looks bad on all of us if we're missing something as basic as that. And then you get in, stuck into this dynamic where the client is then looking for things to criticize or looking for things that you missed rather than just enjoying the trip. So that's category one, not giving us information that can materially impact the client's experience. Number two, we could probably do a whole other podcast if you want, Jennifer, about familiarization trips and, and the do's and don'ts of that. But one don't is obviously requesting uh, or asking for a personal fam during high season, right? So we, and unfortunately, this is something that happens 
quite a bit, so a bit more than you would expect, particularly during Thanksgiving, spring break, Christmas, right? So we often have agents who are requesting to come travel with their families during that time of year. And our answer is never no, but our answer is that you are, the terms and conditions you're going to be uh, given are quite substantially different than if you were traveling during the rest of the year, right? Because there's very little we can do in terms of giving you better rates, flexibility on booking conditions and, and upgrades and things of that nature during high season. So this is not a firm don't. If, you know, if, if you're an agent, you want to visit Morocco and the only time of year you can come is Christmas and you're going to come with your family, great. But then don't expect that you're going to get significant preferential treatment of any sort because you're traveling during the peak season of the year, right? And so that's number two. Uh, number three is earlier you you asked the question when I was talking about de-escalating a situation, you know, you clarified whether I meant try to seek a different channel within the same partner rather than go to a different partner. Now, with that in mind, there's nothing wrong with seeking multiple inputs about a particular trip, right? So if you want to get multiple proposals or in the case of a hotel, for example, let's say your clients want to go to a place and you're looking at multiple hotels, nothing wrong with that. I do think, however, it's tremendously helpful if you share that information openly with your partners, meaning let us know, hey, here's the brief. Just know that you know I'm reaching out to someone else for the same thing. I, I want to consider my options on this trip. The reason that matters is because for us as a DMC, it, we look like we have egg on our face when we reach out to a hotel and put in a hold for a client and it turns out they have a hold already from a different DMC. That's awkward, right? Whereas if we are told that this is a competitive process, there's another DMC in the loop, then they can help us manage our relationships with our hotels and other experienced providers that we work with. So those are my three. If you want to add the fourth that we talked about earlier, it's yeah, avoid imperiling a long-term relationship when it's just one thing that's bothering you. Please do not forget to give us information that can really impact the trip. Number three, don't request a fam you know, in high season if you can avoid it. And number four, if there's a competitive bidding process or you're reaching out to multiple partners, please let us know. Uh, it's important. That information is important and it can make sure that we're not damaging our relationships uh, on the ground as well. I have some clarifying thoughts and questions. So to me, the first one that you mentioned, which is not providing material information. I think in this case, this is like my favorite phrase is good is the enemy of great, right? You said the first three days were fine. Well, a lot of the time a client may return to a good trip. They may return to that advisor or that destination for a good trip. But if the advisor and the supplier are able to make that trip great, you have a client for life. And a lot of the time, a client may not know the difference between good and great, right? And it's our responsibility to show them that the possibility of a great trip is simply irreplaceable. I, I think of this a lot of the time when we're talking about advisors that are like, why can't I convert someone from an Airbnb kind of client to a five-star hotel kind of client? First of all, don't try. They're not the same person a lot of the time. They may not be in the same, the right season of life to be converted to that. But at the same time, they may not know what a great trip looks like. And it is our responsibility when we are given the gift of working with a client. And it should be that. Like there's a lot of gratitude that someone has entrusted this level of investment and their time to be gracious and be grateful that they've been willing to do that. But show them a great trip, remove the transaction out of it and think creatively like you just touch on. Everything you're touching on is converting that good trip to a great trip. So that's just kind of like my thought when you are building an itinerary for someone and you're like, this is a good proposal, I'll lob it over. What can make it great? And a lot of the time, the difference is letting no the DMC know 
about the client a little bit more so that they can surprise and delight. I will actually give an anecdote that just popped into my brain. You know what? I told Experience Morocco that my client, who was going through a divorce at the time, loved wine. Well, she happened to be visiting on the cusp of Ramadan. There wasn't a lot of access to wineries. Like A lot of this was kind of, I don't want to say limiting in her experience, but she might have thought of it that way if she started to think about the things that really make a good trip great for her. Well, Experience Morocco did not even tell me, but surprised her with a stop at a winery. And it became her favorite day of the trip. And it was in route to something else. So she was already on this logistical journey. And you know what? I allowed my DMC to know information about the client that may not even be relevant for that trip. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be relevant for that trip. But I empowered you with the ability to surprise and delight her. It made me look awesome. It made you look awesome. And it gave her something that she didn't even think that she had invested in. So that's actually a nice little check in the block for Experience Morocco to that exact point. The second thought that I have is how should someone collaborate with you during high season if that's their only time of year to travel? We will happily arrange trips during high season for agents. It's just personally painful is maybe not the right word, but we want to show love to our agents and we want to, you know, do things on a complimentary basis as much as we can. It's very challenging for us to do that during the high season because our partners aren't, you know, willing or able to give things on mm-hmm. a complimentary during that time of year. So it's always feasible. We do it, it, no problem at all. Just know that our ability to pepper in some magic and, and show you love is, is limited. Sure. I say that because I just had someone actually in our community ask about a rate and they mentioned that it was Italy in May. And I'm like, I will just be clear that I'm not standing behind this recommendation, you know, and, and and I can say that in a tactful way because maybe no one has had that conversation. Maybe the supplier hasn't had that conversation with them yet. And maybe they're a newer advisor and the host hasn't shared that kind of like self-guided fam etiquette. And the reality is if you want a net rate, if you want to be considered for a comp rate, to me, you should be showcasing your ROI for that destination it shouldn't just be a vacation and you should be going in without expectation. And I consider that all year long. Like I don't think you should go in with expectation because right now the seasonality of things post COVID are just very different than they were before. So expecting a net rate, a comp rate, et cetera, to me, ask how you can book with a supplier and let them have the autonomy to make the decision. And that will allow them to give you the best possible outcome. Fully agree. And then the third thought is you mentioned kind of like shifting supplier, but I also think close out proposals with suppliers. Maybe that client fell off and they're not following through. Let the supplier know that that proposal is not going to come to fruition because a lot of these travel designers, and it's going to depend organizationally, but there may be compensation structures based off of those proposals coming to fruition. So it's only kind to let them know that that proposal is not going to be deposited on just like we would want a client to let us know. They're going to keep following up with you until you let them know otherwise. So that's just kind of a thought that I had too, is like, do unto others as you would want done to you. And we want our, our clients to tell us that they're not moving forward if they're not going to be able to move forward. Yeah, I mean that you usually we just make assumptions, but it's always better to be told, you know, explicitly like mm-hmm. what we definitely want to know is if you've chosen to move with another supplier. 
So most of the time when, when an agent stops answering, we assume it's because the client changed their mind, is no longer interested in our destination, but it's always a bit of a guessing game. So it, you know, it, it really provides a lot of closure for us if we're able to be told, hey, you know, sorry, this didn't work out. You know, the clients chose to go to Croatia instead, but Morocco next year. At least we know, you know? Yeah. And then you're maintaining a more positive relationship with that supplier as well. Like a lot of the time, maybe an advisor is like, oh, that's awkward. I don't want to tell them that they changed destinations and I wasted their time. But I think it's more advantageous for you to just be honest about the relationship and be like, I don't want to hurt our relationship. I do want you to know what happened here. And I will be coming back to you in the future. And I apologize for this. Just being kind of upfront about it. 100%. Okay. So now let's talk about FAMS because you just touched on this. How can an advisor be considered for a FAM or an educational opportunity with a supplier? There's so my answer here has also evolved over the years. You know, okay. we when we started in this industry, there was kind of one way of doing familiarization trips. Now it's really changed quite a bit. So I think the main changes are that there there are far more fans organized by host agencies than there were before. So that's been new, which also makes our life as a DMC easier in some sense to coordinate with host agencies rather than with individual advisors. And then the other thing that's happened is the emergence of the, you know, we call it a mini fam or a personal fam, basically like people coming on their own without being part of a group. To answer your question, there's a couple things that you can do as an advisor to be considered. Number one, and obviously by far and away, the best thing you can do is actually book business, right? So it's a fundamentally different conversation when you've actually produced revenue uh, for a partner. And again, I'm not talking about just a DMC. I could be, I, in this scenario, I could be a hotelier as well. Just a fundamentally different conversation. If you've even just one single confirmed booking, let alone if you've had multiple bookings, it's, it's very different. And, and usually we have, proactively gone to our biggest partners who send us a lot of trips and who haven't come to Morocco. We're like, we got to get you to Morocco because you're sending this much volume right now and you haven't even been. Like, you need to come so you can understand it, you know, even better. So at some point, the dynamic changes, right? Like you go from you you wanting to be hosted to the DMC or the partner desperately wanting you to come experience their destination because they're excited about how much business you can drive their way. Had that being said, I understand there's plenty of people who are new to the industry, you know, who who can't necessarily operate in that way where they first book a trip and then visit a destination. And then I would say, you know, show humility. That's the the the, the second thing. If you haven't booked business, show humility. When I say show hum- show humility, what do I mean? Just, you know, be willing to go as far as paying for your own trip just like anyone else would, right? An agent who comes to us and says, hey, I've never been to Morocco before. I think my clients would be interested in it. And I want to come and experience the destination for myself so that I can better sell it in the future. If they say, for the purposes of my own trip, please consider me like any one of your clients. If that's how they start the conversation, there's a lot more we're willing to do. Like, oh, this is, they're showing the right mindset. Let's upgrade them wherever we can. Let's throw in, you know, comp rates whenever we can, whatever, whatever. If on the other hand, someone's coming and saying, oh, well, I want to come to Morocco. I want to visit, you know, the five best hotels in the country and the, and and setting all this, you know, tone is, is very different Then we're unlikely to want to, you know, collaborate. So yeah, two things. Number one, if you can, Ask after you've driven business to the hotel or to the DMC. Obviously, your position is much better. Number two, if you if you aren't there, then ask with humility and ask with the willingness to be treated like anyone else. Thank you so much for shedding light on that. Okay, so this is taking a little bit of a different approach to this, but I specifically wanted to bring this up because I did visit Morocco during Ramadan. And I think it's really important as we are stewards of every destination that we are sending clients to 
for us to be culturally aware, environmentally aware, focus on whatever matters, honestly, to the destination. It's not our decision to make. So what steps can travel advisors take to ensure that they are being culturally sensitive when working with DMCs in diverse international settings? And this could be in regards to time off. This could be in regards to cultural norms. What insight do you have there? Basically, don't make any assumptions. That's it. Like it's, uh, I'd boil it down to that, you know? So in our case, we have a lot of awkwardness around Ramadan. People just don't know what it is, what's possible, what's not. So uh, don't assume, ask, and then see where the conversation goes. I can say with conviction, I visited during Ramadan. So I've been to Morocco twice now. One time was fully during Ramadan. And I think it was the most magical experience. And I didn't know what to expect. And I even could have just WhatsApped you and asked, honestly, but I didn't know what to expect. And I I went in very open-minded and I did think there were going to be more limitations than there were. It was the most incredible trip. And it was so, I don't know, soul-touching to be able to witness a culture in its truest sense of of celebrating something that is so meaningful. And to me, that's what travel is, right? Like it's to be able to expose yourself, to have empathy, to understand people better. And at night we went out to the main square. What's the square with all the dancing? The Marfna. We just sat there and the whole city came to life. You know, everyone is pouring out of the houses and it was very emotional, honestly. And I do think that if you allow yourself to experience countries in times where maybe you let it surprise you, you can generally have a more transformative experience than you even imagined just in this traditional vacation sense. So I love that point. All right. And we touched on this, but just to close this out and leave, I will say on a positive note, as an owner, founder, entrepreneur and businessman, what would you recommend if a relationship starts to go in a direction where either you as the supplier partner, it's not going in the way where you feel like the advisor is valuing the relationship or respecting the relationship or vice versa, the advisor doesn't feel like the relationship is staying on track. What course of action would you recommend from both sides in order to get that back on track? Honest and open conversation. Again, you can, as an advisor, in most cases, I'm going to say 99% of the time, the balance of power is in favor of the advisor, right? The advisor has more options. They can go and look at a different provider. So that's the easy answer, right? You have a challenge, just go and look for a different answer. The harder answer, but the one that is actually more rewarding is, you know, to have a conversation, say, this is what went wrong, you know, here's what happened. How can we fix it? And I, we had, I mean... As recently as yesterday, I was replying to an email of an agent who has worked with us before, but the, these clients had never worked with her before. So this was their first time booking a trip with her. And it, it happens rarely, but unfortunately, it's, you know, we're not in a 100% kind of business. We're in a, a human services business, right? So things are never mm-hmm. quite perfect. And, and in this particular case, the guide was just not a good fit. So the agents let us know about the, the, about the client's feedback and basically said that she feels like she's lost the clients because of the strip not going as well as it could have, principally because of the guide. There was no other big issue in the trip, but the guide was an issue. It was just was not a good fit. It wasn't that the guide did anything egregiously wrong, but just that they, they didn't get the magic that they you know thought they would 
that's on us. Like we, you know, again, most of the time it's, it's they're, they're very challenging algebra to matching a guide with a client. And most of the time we get it right. Most of the time, like I'm actually honestly surprised we don't get it wrong more often, like three to five times a year where there's an issue and we have to change the guide. You know, it's very, very rare, but it, it did happen in this case. But again, the reaction by the agents was not to just complain for the sake of complaining. It was like, here's what they said. What are your thoughts about this? Is there anything we can do? You know? And so, and first thing I did was I, I apologized. Like, this is on us. You know, the, the guide is a fundamental element of the trip. And if the guide wasn't a good fit, like that's on us. So first of all, we apologize. The fact that the agent took the time to write us all of that, and then that we were able to respond and, and, you know, we've now gone back and forth and, and find a, a way to do something, you know, some gesture for these clients. They may come back to her, they may not, but at least we, we, we did something, but then B for her to feel like her concerns were heard. And for us to make sure that the relationship we have with her is going to be an ongoing relationship. That's a much better outcome than for her to just, you know, say experience Morocco is no longer the right DMC for me to work with in Morocco. So give people a chance to own up for their mistakes and see if you can rebuild. Cause usually when you have an incident like that in a relationship, the relationship is actually stronger than it was before the incident. Isn't that funny? You know, the ability to overcome something and regain trust is more powerful than someone just trusting you from the get-go. I always think about that with clients. It's like, actually, if you can fix something for a client, you are more likely to have a client for life than if they smooth sailing through the whole trip, which is the opposite of what we want, but it does showcase our value so much more. And I would argue that that advisor probably wrote you that lengthy email because he or she knew that you were going to take it to heart and they valued the relationship enough to share that information with you. Otherwise, it would be an argument for the refund and then it would be a complete dismissal of the relationship but it sounds like there was an actual goal to remedy the situation, find a resolution and to move forward, hopefully with partnership in the future. Yep. Amazing. Well, I am so grateful for this time. Thank you so much, Hisham. I always love speaking with you about business, about the industry, and I'm just grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to be here. So thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for joining another TikToks episode. If you're loving our content, we'd love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of TikTok. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.